Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life, and I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one -on -one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to another episode of The Connected Mindset. This is going to be one for the books. We have Mr. Taj Deshaun on with us. I met Taj when I was going through some of the darkest days in my transition out of baseball. I was referenced over to him um, by another um, baseball brother that was able to kind of see what I was going through. And, you know, he really sent me on a path to that led me to Taj. And Taj has done some great work around thriving through transition, which we're going to talk about today. Um, but Taj, thanks so much for joining us. Really looking forward to diving in. Great. Thank you for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this one all week. Uh, I got to say, before we talk about anything else, that intro is fire. I was about to get up and start dancing, but I'm like, let me sit here because I don't know when he's going to bring me in. And then you threw the baseball, man. I was like, I should have put on my 3D glasses for this. Now, that's an intro, <laughs> folks. I got to step my game up on my podcast. <laughs> man, I appreciate that. I I've always been one to you know, throw ideas, throw questions at people. And I always think that that baseball, you know, tossing somebody a ball, you know, whether it's a baseball, football or basketball um, is one of those things that just represents us sharing our knowledge with others to hopefully leave them better off, kind of put the ball in their court, um, because we know we all have to take action in order to kind of implement things in our lives. We can hear all this great information, um, but we need to take action on our on our own with those people around us and the necessary support in order to see ourselves continue to develop. Um, you're, you've epitomized that from uh, helping people transition. I wanna on, you know, what was your transition out of sports? And then what have you learned? And I know this is kind of a packed question, but what have you learned helping others transition um, after sports, you know, and all the coaching and, and great things you're doing? Yeah, man, my, my biggest lesson because um, I know we'll get into this conversation, so I'll keep it brief. But my biggest lesson coming out of football was that I am capable of doing other things if I understand how to apply that athletic mindset. I have a great mentor by the name of Thomas Williams. He played football at USC, went on to play in the NFL for a few years. And one of the biggest things I took away from him is he always says, uh, I don't I never stop playing football. I just don't tackle people anymore. And so that is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. I know you we've had many conversations about this, just incorporating, you know, you're, we're still playing our sport. We're just playing the game of life, but we treat it like we're playing our sport. Now you and I are in our 30s, man. So we're just getting better with age. We haven't even hit our peak yet. And um, that's the biggest thing that I try to incorporate and, and try to instill in other people when I'm speaking to them is that, hey, you're still playing. Keep competing like an athlete, but just compete with yourself and compete in the game of life now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the sport of life. I think a lot of people talk about that. That I'm reading a book, Thurnment, and it was a gentleman, um, I can't recall his name at the moment, but he was an athlete 
and he said that his transition into business, that's all he did is he said, I'm going to go play, but it's going to be on a different field with different rules, but I'm going to play with the same mindset and the same approach that I played my sport with. Um, he played football as well. So, you know, it's, it's hard nosed, it's competitive. Um, you know, you're always trying to strategize to be better than the, you know, the competition, the people across the line. Um, but tell us a little bit about your transition. Like, what did it look like from football to, you know, Taj now being where he is today? And what were some of those kind of defining moments throughout that? Yeah, so for starters, I played football at Stony Brook University um, in the CAA. They're in the CAA now. They were in the Big South when I was there. Most people listening or watching this live have never even heard of Stony Brook. So I always have to say, listen, it's a D1 program. All right. It's an FCS school. Um, and not exactly a powerhouse, especially 10 years ago when I was there, right? So, but still in my mind, just like most most athletes, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to the NFL. Just off the fact that I got a D1 scholarship, of course I'm going to the NFL. What are you talking about? Uh, that reality quickly started to settle in around like sophomore, junior year when I wasn't getting that much playing time. And I wasn't seeing guys ahead of me going to the NFL. Maybe they made it to a camp and then nothing else happened. So to make a long story short, you know, when I graduated, even though I knew the NFL was out of the question for me, I was still completely unprepared. And, you know, in my youth, in youth meaning when I first graduated, I would uh, I was bitter towards the university and towards coaches when in reality, I just didn't do a good job, good enough job or of preparing or attach myself to people who could help me prepare or figure out what I wanted to do. So, you know, I'm out there on Long Island, New York, and I come back home to California where I'm from and I'm back in my childhood bedroom. And I quickly realized like, wow, so no one's going to come give me a job. No one's going to come help me figure out what I want to do. Um, and I don't recommend this now, but instead of trying to reach out to find help or figure out, you know, try to understand what I was going through, I just drank a lot, man. I had an extended college. A few buddies of mine, we were all back home in our hometown. They all came from, you know, Arizona State and other um, D1 schools. And we're just back home drinking, partying trying to distract ourselves from the fact that we're now unemployed college grads with no idea of where we want to go and no job prospects. And so I think the reason I was in that low point and that reason of like, you know, using substances to cope was because I didn't even fully understand what I was going through. You know, a decade ago, no one was really talking about athlete mental health or athlete transition or life after sports or athletic identity. Um, these conversations weren't, you know, as mainstream as they are today. And so eventually um how i came out of that i can tell you that story is uh i just decided one day man like i woke up i'll just kind of leave it right here because the the defining moment what the first defining moment for me was i woke up one morning at noon i was hung over from like you know drinking the whole weekend and i looked in the mirror and i was like first of all you look a mess you know i had put on weight i'm always used to being in shape like i still look like i could play a football game right now you can only see me from the neck up but you know, I didn't like the way I looked from a health perspective and also like the look in my eyes, like that fire of, you know, the competitor and like the the lighthearted person that people know me as that that look was gone. I was like, all right, something has to change. So I just stopped cold turkey drinking, partying right there. And even though I didn't know where I was going, I started to put the pieces together. Um, I started putting effort forth to try to figure that out, because something I tell clients now is like, you know, if I'm talking to a former athlete and they don't know where they want to start, I say, hey, just do something. I will help you find the clarity. But any action is better than no action. Right. So do something, anything positive just to get the momentum going and we can put the pieces together while we're rolling. So that was my first defining moment, man, that morning being hungover.
Man, I, I've definitely been there. Um, I, you know, <laughs> my transition out of minor leagues, you know, we didn't, we had those days off. So we would all go out and drink and you just, you don't know what to do with the free time, honestly. And, and that, that was my biggest thing was I was trying to find a way to get that rush that I had on the field when I was competing, which is, it, it's impossible to get that, you know, unless you find, you know, ways working out. Um, things in business that really elevate you. I think it's so hard to get over that hump. I call it the dark wall. Like when we get out of something, whether it's the military, whether it's sports, that that dark wall, if you can't get past it, you just keep banging against it. And, and you're, it's not going to change unless you kind of rewire how you look at the world and how you look at what you're trying to chase. Um, you know, I went through one of those, you know, many of those same periods when I was getting out where I would look in the mirror, I'd be like, my face looks, you know, swollen. Um, I feel like crap. My cells are, are at, you know, they're deprecated from anything healthy, uh, which I was always used to being healthy. And, um, I think a lot of people go through that, but nobody talks about it because they don't want their you know, reputation to look like they're an alcoholic or like, you know, that they're addicted to some type of substance. But it's something that stuck out when we had our initial discussion that, you know, you mentioned that and it really resonated with me to kind of take a step back and say, you know, what are we chasing? Are we just dampening down, you know, all of the things that we want? And, and hopefully it gets better. And hope is not a good plan, as we all know. So I think, you know, we have to take action. And you, you hit on that really well. Well, um, I like it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to um, say something about what you said about, you know, how we don't like to admit, especially as men. I'm not saying women have a hard, you know, not just athletes, but people in general, when they're going through something, have a hard time admitting it. But I think to your point, it's especially difficult for us as athletes and former athletes because we're prideful people, you know, and when you're on the, in the limelight as a superhero or a larger than life figure and people are looking up to you for what you can do with your body. And now all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore and you're depressed or you're upset or you feel lost. It's not easy to just step up and show that level of vulnerability where, you know, we've been taught from a young age that never let you let them see you sweat, never let your opponent see you down. And so um, that was something that I really had to overcome. And the more I leaned into vulnerability and just talking about what I was going through, the more I found other people like yourself saying, hey, I went through that, too, or I'm going through that, too. And then I started getting help from people who could tell me like how they navigated those waters. So I didn't want to bypass what you said about like, you know, being vulnerable and uh, not wanting to show people that weakness. Yeah. Yeah. It's crit It's critical. And until we bring it into the world and talk about it, you know, it doesn't exist. You know, that, that struggle doesn't exist until we start to talk about it. Um, I recently read a book called the 30 day solution by Jack Canfield and he wrote it about alcohol, but it's an addiction to anything. And I think my addiction was that, that endorphin high I would get when I was on the mound, when I was pitching in a game and like the fans were cheering and like, I wanted to achieve that so much in business. And I didn't see anybody around me that was trying to navigate that equation. And that was very frustrating for me. And I kept just banging my head against the wall you know, trying to find different things, you know, whether that was, you know, going out with different friends or trying to, you know, chase, chase girls. That wasn't my thing at the time, but with them, you know, it was kind of like that, that, that rush of like, oh, I'm going to help my friend get a, you know, get a new girl or something like that. It was just kind of like, I was trying to find things to patch up and, and address the symptoms and not get to the root cause. And I think that was my biggest, 
you know, downfall until I realized that. And it was like, I really need to just share this journey with others, just like you're doing. And it really helped to kind of address the root cause and get to that solution that I needed at the time. Obviously, it's not a, you know, the journey's not done. Um, but as we share it, and, and you do this really well, we'd love to hear kind of some of the breakthroughs you've had in, in helping others share their, you know, pains and um, what they're going through. But until we do that, we can't achieve, you know, that, that new state, that new identity that we, that we want to adopt. Mm-hmm. No, 100%, man. I think, um, I'll start by saying this, uh, one of the, when you talk about breakthroughs, I think one of the things that, and this actually is a point that you just brought up. One of the things that helps other people share that story with me and also you too, I know you've had people come to you is because like you said, we're talking about it. And a lot of times people just need to know that they're not alone because I felt alone. And you and I have talked about this too, where it's like, when you're going through it, you feel like you're the only one. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I didn't know that I was struggling to figure out who I was. You know, I thought I was just depressed because I couldn't get a job. I didn't know there was all these other things coming uh, with that, all this baggage of only seeing myself as a football player. And so to your point, like when I started putting that story out there or when I have a conversation with someone or someone introduces me and says, hey, you need to talk to Taj. He specializes in navigating these transitions. They're just relieved to hear that they're not the only one going through it and that someone else has gone through it and has made it to the other side. I can't tell you how many, like my first time meeting someone or first time doing a phone call, they're like crying because they've been holding it in so long, feeling like they were the only one dealing with this. So yeah, man, that's huge. And I'm glad you started, you know, sharing your story too. I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, since I've started sharing it, it's probably been, you know, a year and a half, which was way, you know, way too late. I've been out of baseball since you know, 2017. So just imagine those four or five years of just not sharing, it all adds up. And I ended, I ended up through sharing my journey, finding a mental coach. He's, he's more of a kind of um, life coach and therapist, but he takes that approach of just like dump it all out there. And you have somebody that just is a biased person to kind of look at your situation and re-scramble the pieces. And I think we all need that. We all need somebody that we can just dump it all out there with, and then they can kind of give you that unbiased eye to just help you scramble things back. Because if you don't do that, you know, you end up 60, you know, sitting in a chair, you know, you're, you're drinking a 12 pack every day and you're talking about those old stories. And that's one of the things that, you know, I know we might all be at at one point, but I didn't want to see myself in that position. I wanted to kind of be an impact person. And, and it honestly, impacting people makes me a healthier person. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Absolutely. And and by the way, Greg, don't feel like you took too long, man, because, you know, I uh, graduated in 2013. I didn't start Thrive After Sports until 2018. I was navigating my own transition and working jobs that eventually led me to doing this. I was building my skill set along the way until I had the idea to found it. But yeah, it was five years of not saying anything about what I went through, except to the people who were like really close to me before I started sharing it with the world over the past five years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, net, the, the, the shortest amount of time we always think of, it's kind of that depth perception problem that we all have. We think that it's further away than it is when we're in that you know moment, but you know, there's no better time than now to get started. Um, you know, with your journey, when you came to that I look at it as an enlightenment period, but you're, when you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm going to get out of this, was it Taj, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write a book 
to help share some of these? Was it just, hey, I'm going to open up a coaching call? You know, what does that look like? And I think for others that want to start sharing that unique journey they went through and kind of help start bring it to the world in a number, you know, you brought it through your show, um, through your books, um, through your coaching programs. But what did that first step look like to start to share it? And then how did all the other things come to fruition? Yeah, man, you know, I'll start with how it all came to fruition, because I think after I had that moment I was telling you about with like, all right, I'm done drinking. I need to figure something out. I started really diving into personal development. So before I started sharing, I had to, I wasn't even thinking about sharing with others. I was just trying to heal myself. Right. I started getting into very deep spiritual stuff. You know, I was reading like, uh, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle or Toll. I'm not still not sure how you pronounce his name, but you know, the power of now and understanding mindfulness, um, you know, I started reading all that type of stuff. And then I started getting into more like personal development with, um, not all the names are escaping me, but like Jack Canfield type of stuff and just really, really uh, developing my base and understanding of how to self-improve and then how to heal yourself and how to be present and mindful. Then I was like, all right, that's great that I'm, you know, enlightened now, but I should probably start making some money too. And uh, <laughs> I started out in, in sales because sales jobs are um, always looking to hire athletes. Now we can talk about this later, but I went into sales only to make money. There was no other intention behind that, which eventually led to burnout, which eventually led me to pivoting into more of kind of career services, uh, recruiting job development type jobs. And that's where I found, oh, I'm actually really good at this and I enjoy it and it's fulfilling. Like the idea of just helping someone get from point A to point B, whether that's finding employment or just helping them figure out what they want to do. Because before I helped anyone get placed or you know, develop the job out in the community, I had to figure out what the need was and where they were going. So anyway, um, that led me eventually to starting Thrive After Sports for both selfish and selfless reasons, meaning I was done with the corporate lifestyle. I felt like I was making an impact, but I felt like I could have made a bigger impact if I was doing it on my own terms, right? And so that's what led me to take that skill set of helping others get clarity, help them find opportunities and just coaching them through that process. I took that skill set and that's what allowed me, or I had the idea to start Thrive After Sports because I knew so many athletes coming up behind me were still going through that. And then to answer your question, when it comes to sharing my story, I knew that that was the first step. So I was very intentional about, before I just say, hey, you know, I can help you or I can coach you, like I have to let people know who I am. So the first things I started doing, you know, I was publishing articles on LinkedIn. Those articles eventually became my book. Before I even published my book in 2020, I started the podcast in 2019. And although I get to interview great people now, what that podcast started out started out as was just me sharing my story, you know? And um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like I went off on a tangent, but that that's pretty much been the journey, man. And that's how I, I started sharing my story. No, I love it. It's, you know, you took those small steps, you know, LinkedIn article, and then, you know, podcasts to start to have the conversations in more of a public light so people could connect to it. And then those articles became a book. So like that, I think that's what a lot of people, you know, need to to digest is a book just doesn't come out of the air. We don't have a realization and then we write a book and then we have a show. It, you know, it takes those small steps of like, you know, putting a post out there that says, hey, here's what I've gone through and here's what I've learned. If you want to talk about it you know, let's start a conversation. Then you put articles out there that talk about the topic. I think anybody can do that with something that they're passionate about, that they've gone through, that they know other people are going through. Um, for me, that was cybersecurity. When I was getting out of sports, 
um, I had a small company that had a cyber attack. And that was one of those painful moments that I went through kind of early on in my career. So I wanted to bring that to executives um, and help them not go through that situation. So be, be proactive. Um, and if, if I didn't have that situation, just like our transition out of sports, if we didn't go through that pain, I probably wouldn't be in cybersecurity anymore. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Like if you didn't go through that pain in sports, you might have got into, you know, talent acquisition, helping people get jobs, and you might not have been as passionate about it because you didn't go through that. And I think a lot of people need to do the hard internal work to figure out what that is. A lot of people say, find your passion, find your light. Um, but look at your past to see what you've gone through and how you can help people that may go through that in their uh, journey, their process as well. And you've done a great job of that uh, with Thrive After Sports. Well, thank you, man. And, and you have too, like you just said, and it started from something that you experienced personally that you wanted to step up and provide a solution for. And I think that's the recipe. Like you said, well, first doing the hard internal work, which most people are either afraid to do or <laughs> convince themselves they don't have time to do or just have never thought to do it. And, and that's really the recipe right there, man. What you just said, you just gave the solution is like figure out not necessarily what you're passionate about. I, li I like you said that it's not always about what you're passionate about. You can be passionate about things that don't necessarily mean you should be spending a lot of time doing them or aren't necessarily going to get you paid. It's kind of like yeah. <laughs> you got to find the balance of both. Right. So, yeah. but anyway, I just wanted to, to hit on that point about um, doing the work first to figure out who you are, what, how you tick, what makes you light up or what excites you when you wake up, when you think about waking up in the morning and doing that thing. That's what you have to go after and find a way where other it can benefit other people too, because that's how you're going to be able to take care of yourself if it actually helps other people, not just you. Yeah, I love how you said you did it for a selfish and selfless reason, because <laughs> I think I think that's the balance. I think we're all passionate about making money because that's going to pay the bills. That's going to make sure we set our families up, um, you know, for success going forward to build that kind of monetary legacy. But that shouldn't be the the primary driver because then that's just all selfish and you may all that selfless work that you do that brings people in that's what enrolls people when you say here's what i've got here's what i've gone through and people purchase things because of organization of information right the information's online already that a lot of us are talking about but it's how we organize it in a way that allows them to take action that people that's why people pay for courses that's why people pay you know for books because these painful situations people have gone through they put it into an organized way so that you can implement it into your own life and that's at the end of the day i think what a lot of us are doing i do it on the cybersecurity side as well as the mindset side and you do it on the thrive after sports side where a lot of the stuff that you're you know putting out there is, is organized in a way that people need and they don't get to that level of organization unless they do you know seven years or ten years of that hard internal work that you've already done. Um, so I think that's that's a critical distinction I try to make to people is we're all driven by money. It's That's an incentive. But when you get driven by that impact and you feel that level of being able to see somebody, like you said, get from point A to point B, that's where the magic happens. And, I, and people always say the money comes. It really does. Um, it really does at the end of the day because you're organizing information in a way that allows people to take action. And that's what people need. They need to keep moving, uh, keep moving forward, keep taking that next step um, in order to set themselves up. Man, Greg, you're dropping. Okay, hold up. Stop the press for a second, man. Like, 
I've never heard it. I've heard heard it shared that way. I never thought about it that way before in terms of like organizing information. And that's what, because only you as an individual can organize the information in a way that's going to resonate with a certain group of people or your people are out there the way you organize the information, like you said, that's online anyway, the way you present that information or what, the way you've packaged it or found the right formula of information is what's going to have people gravitate to you. That's huge. And like, I think on a spiritual plane, and I know you'll appreciate this, yeah. like, yeah. just like earlier when I was like, I love your intro because you're throwing the baseball. You're like, yeah, that's me throwing the questions at the guests. I'm like, man, I just thought it looks cool. I didn't even think about it like <laughs> that deep, yeah. but I think ultimately, you know, what we're talking about right now is like we're all vessels, you know, for whatever you believe in God, universe, the source, whatever you want to call it. Like we are vessels to be able to get information or ideas or um, help or support to one another. And as that information comes through us, because we're all different people, we share it in a different way that's unique. I always tell, you know, people I'm working with, like personal trainers, like if you think about the concept of a personal trainer, there are personal trainers in every city and every gym around the world because they're all doing the same thing. They're helping you get in shape or, you know, be in better shape, but everyone has a different way. Like you said, of packaging that information and everyone has a different personality type or everyone does something different. And that's why every personal trainer has clients because they bring something different to the table than the next person. So this is good stuff, man. We're getting deep already. <laughs> yeah. I love it. No, we're, we're not even halfway in. So um, one of the things, <laughs> I, I want to kind of dive into, and I think this is critical for a lot of people that are either looking to coach others or it's a barrier to kind of put themselves out there as a coach. And we know all everybody needs a coach as athletes and as people, um, you know, but how do you get past figuring out who's not your customer? I think that is a, a huge thing that I had to go through that we can't serve everybody. We have to find those right people that our structure of information really resonates with. Did you go through that obstacle where, you know, I know we all go out, we have this big vision and you want to serve everybody, but really finding here are the couple of traits that make somebody that I can have maximum impact on and what they're going through at that current time. Yeah. For me personally, I think the biggest thing was, um, and this may be surprising, but I'm looking for people who are coachable which is crazy because we're talking about former athletes here, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I have come across people who weren't necessarily coachable or um, it, it it's weird. This doesn't happen as much anymore, maybe because I have so much content out there. And by the time people reach out to me, they kind of know what I'm about and know who I am. But early on, someone would reach out for help through their transition. And the conversation would almost be like, they knew everything already. It's like, okay, well, I mean, Good luck to you, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you reached out for. It seems like you got it under control. Um, and they may reach out, you know, years later or something. But the biggest thing for me was uh, looking. And I'm glad you brought this up because I had to define who was and who wasn't a good fit for me early on. I would start working with someone and there were red flags early on where it's like, I probably shouldn't have started working with this person or maybe referred them somewhere else. Like, hey, I know someone else who can probably help you better than I can. But I took it on anyway, whether it was pride or ego. And I had to learn over the years of, like you said, not everybody is for you. Um, I'm seeing that a lot more these days, honestly, because I have started doing some career coaching in collaboration with a great company called Happen to Your Career. Um, I just had a, a bunch of people 
long story short, I had a bunch of people reaching out who were non-athletes listening to my podcast. They're like, hey, can you help me find clarity? Can you help me find coaching? So I started doing some career coaching for the civilian population, you know, uh, non-athletes, non-military folks. And um, I've had to really be careful with that because not everyone uh, is coachable. And, and that's my biggest thing that I'm looking for. As long as you're coachable, um, we can we can get the job done. So what about you, man? Do you find that in your business or even just personal life? Like, how do you kind of determine who is and isn't a good fit to work with you? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something I'm always evolving um, and trying to find those right traits. Um, you know, most of the time, it's somebody who has some type of fear in something they either know or don't know. Um, cybersecurity is, you know, it's an uncertain type thing. It's it's relatively new uh, for a lot of businesses that I work with or individuals. Um, so it's, you know, they know they want to protect it, but they fear the costs or what, how much time it's going to take in order to implement it. So a lot of that's like clearing the fear. A lot of it, when I see a person that comes to me and they say, I don't know what I need to do. Most of the time, that's the individual I know is coachable because they've had that realization that they don't know. And when I have people come to me and say, I have it all figured out, but I want you to pick it apart. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, their ego is getting in the way of them getting to that point of I have something, even if it's small, that I don't know. And I feel like you can help me come to that realization. And that's who I look for. I look for people who have that real have that kind of self-awareness to know that they don't know everything and to mm -hmm. me that's what makes people coachable and you know when i was a baseball player it was the same way you know i knew i didn't have maybe the best you know slider or my fastball wasn't as good as this person so i would go to the coach or i would go to a you know older player that you know had that level of skill and say how can i improve this can you watch me do it and that's what makes us coachable i think in anything we do it's hey i'm not you know maybe it's you're running in the hole how can I take a better step this way to kind of throw the the the, the defensive line off, for example? Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it coachable to me is somebody who knows they don't know. Um, and that's right. a great place to start. And I see more success from those people. So I'm able to kind of vet, you know, people from the start. And we're not right for everybody. You know, I'm not right for everybody. So I'll, and I'll refer them out if they come to me and say, I have it all figured out, but, you know, I'll, I'll pay you to come in and give us a training. And, and that to me is a red flag for, you know, that might not be the right person for me to serve, but here's somebody I can refer you to that would, you know, maybe do something positive for you um, in that light. And that to me is coachable. Um, you, you remember those athletes that said, you know, I'm the perfect player and I have no room to improve. Most of the time they get passed by people who have that work ethic, um, that drive to kind of be continuously better and never stop improving. Mm-hmm. 100% man. I think so just on that note, and I think this may help some of the audience too, like the people who are business owners and things like that is early on. And I realized this while you were talking, like one of the things for me, why I was taking on clients that weren't necessarily a good fit is because I was early on and I didn't have like clients, you know, wrapped around the corner or a line of clients waiting to work with me or trying to like get them, you know, I didn't have a wait list of people wanting to work with me. So I would find myself with people almost trying to convince them that I could help even if they weren't coachable, I'm trying to like constantly versus being like, look, if you think you got it all figured out, man, then good luck to you. Or maybe you should check this out versus, you know, now it's, it's more, or back then it was more of a, like, I just want to work with someone like, 
and that's the helper in me, right? Like I want to, I want to help someone, but you can't help everyone, especially like you said, if they're not looking for the help. So there's that. Yeah, that's, that's extremely powerful. Um, and I think until we come to that realization and start to act on it, we're, we're constantly burned out because we're trying to sell somebody into a, into a process that they're not right for, they're not fit for at that time. Um, and it doesn't mean they're never going to be the right fit, but you have to meet people in the middle. I was big on that in my first book, Growing Into You. I was trying to meet people in the middle of where they currently were, as opposed to going to their end and trying to bring them, bring them back to the middle. Um, and I found that if they had the, the ability, the, um, the willingness to continue to grow and they wanted to become their own type of individual, you know, with all the noise on social media, things of that nature, they were able to get maximum benefit from the exercises we laid out in that book. And when you see those types of people, you're like, that's the type of person I want to serve. Um, and it almost becomes easy, right? It becomes like a flow, like when we're on the field and we're running and, you know, it's just everything, every step is that perfect step in the direction of, you know, nobody's going to be able to catch us. Or for me, it was the pitch that I knew nobody was going to hit because I was in that, I was such in that flow that it was easy. Like you kind of get into your you know flow state, whatever you want to call it. Um, you get into a mental state where your body just does the work. And I think there's a place in that for business as well, where the customer just meets you in the middle and the value is exchanged in such an easy way that, you know, it makes it, 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 it makes magic happen, as I say, but um, you know, any situations that come to mind where you're able to do that or um, anything you've found that has helped you get into a better flow state um, in the business you're running? Man, uh, well, I couldn't have done a better job of saying what you just said about finding the flow state with finding clients and having that client, you know, relationship. And I think that comes from us having experience. So there's that. But in terms of me finding a flow state on a day to day basis, that comes back to doing that hard internal work. Um, you mentioned burnout just a moment ago. I burned out many times and that just that's no one else's fault but mine. And I realized in hindsight, there are things I could have done better to put my put to put parameters in place right there's no need for me to do like 10 coaching calls in a day um, i wanted to do it you know but i saw what happened when i was doing it and then ultimately it's not even about me it's okay by the time i get to that seventh eighth ninth tenth coaching call in that day they're probably not getting the best version of me which means they're probably not getting the, the best help they could be getting if i was just like hey why don't we you know move this to another day where i don't have 10 coaching calls so uh i think I would sum it up by saying that understanding myself better um, and not just being so like, you know, balls to the wall all the time, man. Like I'm, maybe this comes with age too of like, I don't have to, it doesn't have to be a constant grind, grind, grind. There has to be like recovery and, and rest times. And I implement a day every week now where I just don't do anything, you know, even in, on that Saturdays for me, Sundays time with the family, but Saturday I do nothing now. I just put my feet up and relax. I might watch some TV. And that would have been like a foreign idea to me even a year or two ago, just to be like, what? You're not going to work on the weekends? Someone else is working on the weekends. You got to be working on the weekends. Like, bro, everything's going to be fine. You'll be better if you just take that day to relax and recover. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just now getting into that, um, that type of system, you know, trying to think about, you know, what's going to set Greg up to bring the best, you know, to his world that he's serving. 
And a lot of that is rest. Like I, I do something now where it's kind of time chunking throughout the day. I'll take two hours off in the middle of the day and like go to the beach or take a walk you know, around the neighborhood, go for a run. And that for me is like my recharge. A lot of people think about that as like, you know, that's going to wear you out. But that's my recharge to be able to bring my best. And then when I bring my best, I'm, you know, it, it fills my cup up as opposed to drains it. Um, so finding those things for for each of us as individuals is so key. Uh, you know, I don't want to underestimate this because and it's not the same for everybody. You know, we have to find what fills our cup and what drains the cup and do more of the stuff that fills it up because that allows us to bring the energy. Like you said, with, you know, 10 coaching calls in a day by the seventh one, your, your cup is down to, to drips and drops. And you know, those <laughs> people, you're, you're probably still doing a great job. Um, but they're not getting the full Taj, the full impact that you know they could have if you were to take five hours off or take a day off and say, hey, let's reschedule it for the next day. Um, so just kind of having that realization. And we're in this hustle culture, right, where people are like, you have to work 20 days to compete with your competitor. You know, there's enough pie for all of us, but we have to know what lane we're in. And if we're just trying to drive 100 miles an hour and, and race everybody down the highway, you know, eventually we're going to run out of gas and you know none of us want to run out of gas so um, i think that hard internal work is something not enough people do that we need more of and and this goes back to the mental health standpoint if we want to improve our, the mental health collectively of our overall you know country world you know globe i think there needs to be more of that for each individual as opposed to somebody else dictating and this is not necessarily like the corporate system but somebody else dictating you have to sit in the seat from nine to five you know on you know you have to work on sundays to prep for monday you know on saturdays we need you to be on a call like it so it's it's this we need we're going to pull you in so many different directions to feel like we're competing but we're really just burning you out which means you're not bringing your full self to the equation which i think hurts everybody at the end of the day it hurts everybody around you and all the people you're impacting throughout the work that you're doing. Yeah, man. Hustle culture is uh, is dangerous. And I like how you mm -hmm. talked about finding your own unique formula. Like, I love what you said about you go for runs or, you know, like in the middle of the day. I think that's important. I do that, too. You know, once like noon, I've been working for six hours, you know, by the time noon or one o'clock rolls around. So instead of taking a nap, I'll go for a run. And that re-energizes me. And I might need a nap, like a 15, 20 minute nap around you know, three or four o'clock, but I found what works for me. And I think um, I'm glad you're bringing this up because so many people get caught up into like, you know, if you really want to make it, you know, you can sleep when you're dead and all that type of stuff. And like, that's, that's a dangerous way of thinking, man. Like, I think it's not about, um, it's not about what you're doing or how much you're sleeping. It's about what you're doing when you're awake. So it's like, I'm the type of guy where I need for the most part, eight hours. I've tried to do less and I'm less functional. You know, if I get, I can make it through the day if I get less than eight hours, but I know eight hours I'm waking up, I'm feeling good and I'm ready to do some damage, you know? So it's like, um, but I just wanted to say that just based off of what you were saying about finding that unique balance for you. Everybody's is going to be different. That takes reflection. That takes tapping in with yourself, experimenting with things, even things like fasting. I started doing intermittent fasting recently and I'm sharper than if I eat, you know, a stack of pancakes in the morning and try to start my day. Like if I just don't eat anything until afternoon. I'm sharper. That may not be the case for some people, but yeah. yeah, man, this is good. Good stuff right now. Yeah. No, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um, I've kind of stopped eating breakfast because I found a lot of the people, you know, out there, some of the influencers were recommending this big breakfast 
and then, you know, dinner. So, you know, I was trying out different systems outside of athletics where it was kind of like eat all day when you're not playing because you need that energy, you need the fuel. Um, and I found that I was, un I, I didn't have clarity when I was, you know, so consumed with food early in the morning. So I stopped, e you know, stopped eating in the morning and kind of just you know, drinking some coffee, eating some fruit, maybe just something lighter. And that's created a lot more clarity in my life. But it looked, it took me months, years to get to that point of, of that discontentment within my body, like to be able to find that. So, I, you know, it's a process, you know, everybody needs to look at it like that. I think that's why Andrew Huberman is uh, getting so popular just on all platforms, because he's offering things up to hopefully be customized. You shouldn't take what somebody says and say, that's the, the gospel, that's the Bible, and you got to follow it to a T. Um, you have to try it. And then, you know, kind of experiment and decide what's best for yourself, which I think is key. Um, and something you mentioned that that I've been kind of you know talking about a lot more lately is, you know, really the four pillars in order to kind of make sure you're well-rounded is, and these are in priority order, is, is physical, mental, spiritual, then financial. A lot of people put financial above them all, um, which causes the other ones to kind of be you know, deprecated or deficient. And, you know, if we're not, you know, physically well, then we can't be mentally well. If we're not mentally well, then we can't, you know, spiritually practice what we want to bring to the world. And then we're not going to earn, you know, create enough value to earn the money that we need to, um, you know, support ourselves. So I think people need to focus a little bit more on, on the physical and mental. I know that sounds like a, you know, you need to stop working and just focus on, you know, self-care and things of that nature. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to bake that stuff in by design um, and make sure that, you know, mental health is taken care of. And I think a lot of mental health, which we'll dive into here shortly, is around identities. And I think there's no better you know, conversation than between us to kind of talk about identities, because we had an identity that was so strong that we, we were only that person. We were that that family person, that athlete. And that was it. You know, how do and, and I call it the masks. I had to kind of shed my masks over time that were, you know, Greg's no longer the pitcher. I still have people come up to me and say, Greg, you know, you you played baseball, right? Like, that's awesome. And, you know, what are you doing now? And they're they're kind of expecting me to say, you know, I'm coaching baseball or I'm in baseball because that's how they look at me from the outside world. So going against that power of people putting you in a box and then having to jump outside of that box and say, you know, I'm now a cybersecurity coach, you know, I have a live show. And they're like, what? Like, you're not coaching baseball. You're not, your show's not about baseball. You know, that was hard. That was a hard wall to get over. Um, anything you've seen kind of from the identity standpoint that you've helped people or gone through yourself um, that have really helped you kind of shed those masks, shed those costumes um, to make Taj, you know, that rebranded, you know, self um, as opposed to just the athlete, um, just the coach. Yeah, man. I, before I talk about myself, I want to I love what you just said about how people will try to put you into a box. And I think something else that's important to look at is we sometimes put ourselves into a box. Often we're the ones putting ourselves into a box. Um, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me over the years saying, hey, Taj, you know, I see what you're doing with Thrive After Sports. I'm a former athlete and, you know, I want to be a coach or I want to work in an athletic department or I want to get into sales. I really only hear those three. If someone thinks they have an idea, most people will say, I have no idea. The people who do, it's usually one of those things, 
right? And there's nothing wrong with those careers, but I always tell people that that's limited thinking. And the first question I ask is, okay, that's great that you want to be a coach, you know, but have you thought about anything that you might want to do outside of coaching? Or are you wanting to get into coaching or work in an athletic department or whatever, or work for a team because it's comfortable and it's all you know? Or is that really what you want to do? And so back to doing that hard, you know, that internal work, that heavy lifting of looking within yourself, um, I think it's easy to, to fall into those things. And once again, I'm not knocking anyone who goes into those careers because there are phenomenal former athletes who are in all of those careers, right? But for me, I had to really, um, I knew I didn't want to be a coach. Uh, I learned the hard way that I didn't want to be in sales, even though there's a sales aspect to everything. I have to sell my business and my coaching now, but I enjoy doing it, right? But my point is that um, when you think about your identity, it's something that has to be constantly monitored or created, right? We're constantly creating our identity. It doesn't just, you know, we don't just, as you know, we don't reinvent ourselves after we're done playing our sport and then that's it. It's just like a one-time thing. Like we're constantly, um, this is the best analogy I can give. Then I'll, I'll wrap it up because I know you have some great thoughts on this too. You have to constantly be thinking of updating your operating system, just like we update the operating system on our phones. And so if you can look at yourself like that, that means you're constantly checking in with yourself to see where is this identity, this view I have of myself in terms of who I've been, who I am now, and who I want to be in the future. Where do I need to make tweaks to that? Um, I've had to make many tweaks to that, just as I'm sure you have too, Greg, like many tweaks to your identity, past, present, and future. It's not just your identity and it's like this one thing. There are many layers to the identity that always need to be examined. Sometimes I like to peek into the past and say, okay, I was thinking of myself this way when I was playing football or when I graduated from college or when I first started Thrive After Sports. How can I look at myself differently back then? How can I look at myself differently right now? Maybe there's something I haven't considered. And then especially in the future, man, I'm always, I'm trying to be present, but I'm always looking at where I'm going. And that is constantly... I constantly find myself in this place of like trying to tweak my identity in terms of what I want my future to look like. It's constantly evolving, constantly changing. So that's what I would say on that. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. There's no destination. I think a lot of people want to get to the destination and then they want to say, I made it. Um, but as we, we know it as athletes, but I think a lot of people, you know, they have destinations. It's graduate high school, graduate college, get that job that sets you up for retirement and then retire. And that's kind of your next destination. Then it's, you know, you're in the ground and it's like, that's not the life that any of us want to live, but it's, it's, it's baked into their operating system. And sometimes you got to shake up that operating system or even change it um, to a new mm -hmm. operating system to get you to that next level. Um, one of the things I've learned is, and I, I, I link this back to baseball when I was going through tough times in my, you know, in my pitching motion or trying to work through, you know, different things in my skill set. That's where on the other side of that is where I found my flow state. Most of the time I had my best game when I had a couple of games that were off because it kind of shocked me in order to upgrade, you know, that operating system or upgrade how I was looking at the world. And that's where I found that I grew the most. Not that I put myself in those positions intentionally um but i became conscious of what that was is that i was putting myself in uncomfortable positions because i was trying something new i was trying a new pitch or i was you know trying a new motion um, so i tried to do that in my business life as well as how can i put myself in an uncomfortable position this week uh, whether it's coming on a new show or it was 
um, speaking at an event when I didn't like to speak. And those types of things, they, they positive stack in a way that makes us better for everybody, for ourselves, for the people around us that we care about, and also for the people that we're serving. Um, and I think a lot of people talk about the struggle. They talk about you know the, the, the downs, the, those troughs that we all go through. But I think those are the defining moments um, for all of us is, is how do we get out of that box um, and how do we kind of reshape who we want to see ourselves as in the future and what do we need to do in the present to get us there? Um, you know, and trying to simplify that process. Obviously, we live in a complex world, you know, but you have to do that hard work from an identity standpoint to consciously create it up here, because if you don't create up here first, it's probably not going to happen. Um, nobody's going to do it for you. Um, and that's one of the biggest things I've seen from people that are happy, fulfilled, you know, successful in their own way is they did it by realizing that they could consciously create it. Um, and until you get to that point where I think Jim Carrey said it, you know, life's not happening to you, it's happening through you. Um, and mm -hmm. if you kind of, if you, if you really start to realize that, that we're not victims, unless we are up here creating that victim mentality um, until we create something in our minds that we can start to bring into the world in small, small pieces. Um, and I think that was key for me. That's key for people that I coach where I'm you know, trying to get them from A to B and really shift the way they start to, to process things up here. And that could be cybersecurity, that could be transitioning out of sports, that could be getting into a sales role. Um, and you know, it, it takes you taking action with all the information you have in order to accomplish anything. And um, I think that all starts with realizing how are you doing today? You know, what's your identity today and how do you want to change that? And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They're just like, I am who I am. And that's how it's always going to be. So. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, it's so funny you bring that up because you look at the people who say that and usually they're not in a position that you would want to be in. It's people who think like that and say that. So yeah. I like I, I wrote this down when you said this, man. I really like how you talked about like there is no I made it, you know. And I have to cause I struggle with this a lot because many times, even recently, man, I battle with this every day. I feel like when I get to this level of income or I have this accomplishment, then I will have made it. But of course, that goalpost is always moving. And so um, back to Thomas Williams, I mentioned him earlier, a great mentor. He, he told me um, he was like, the problem is I was having a, a rough day in business. And he was like, you're frustrated because you're trying to win. Not that you shouldn't have goals and you shouldn't go after those goals like with intensity, but just play the game like there is no you can't win life you know there's no you can have wins along the way and you're going to have losses along the way of course but there's no winning life you're going to be on your deathbed still trying to you know achieve something so like just embrace that and play the game every single day and i was like damn never thought about it like that and i still have to remind myself every single day greg because i'm always like when i do this then i will be happy or then i will be like then i can say i've made it versus like five years ago if i could look at what i've accomplished today i would be thrilled you know so but anyway man yeah yeah that you know it's that's so hard to adopt um and i think so many people struggle with this i mean we both struggle with it daily because we're people that thrive and and strive for more um and we want to continuously move the goalposts while kind of enjoying what we've achieved up to that point and i think that mental construct is so complex and it's so hard to adopt but 
when you hear it in conversations, it just allows you to take a step back and say, holy cow, look how far I've come. And if I can come this far from where I was, imagine what I can do in six months, in a year, in two years. And I think that sets us, sets us up for optimism. And if we have that optimistic perspective, I think it's just amazing what we can accomplish, you know, all together. Um, if we can bring more optimistic people together, I mean, that's where, you know, global shifts happen. That's where, you know, community shifts happen. That's where family shifts happen. Um, when we all come together with that right optimistic mindset of we can consciously create, as I mentioned earlier, I think that's a, a key point and we can do it together. We don't have to be against each other. Um, in order to create it and all competing for who's happier at that moment or who, who's who's in a better position, who's making more money, who's you know running faster. I think we have that as as athletes, but that becomes a a downfall for a lot of athletes that I see is you start competing with your kids, you start competing with your you know your wife or your spouse or your partner um, in a way that you did on the field because you haven't addressed that that really that hard internal work that, that you keep, uh, keep mentioning. So. Yeah, that's good, man. I'm excited to listen back to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need these reminders that we're both talking about. Like I'm going to have this on the background while I'm working. Like, so this is good, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're, we're going to dive in a little bit to just kind of wrapping things up. Some of the key lessons that you've learned and they don't need to be, you know, perfect kind of top three, um, but one of the things I want to talk about is the upcoming book. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Athlete to Entrepreneur, how that came about when you first kind of, I'm sure it was conversations and people were like, we can put our, our you know, insights together and have that community come through some type of written literature. Um, I just want to talk to that a little bit and kind of how you started that program, because I think that's something that doesn't exist in the personal development world. It doesn't really exist in in any format of books where all of these folks who have similar mindsets and are going through similar equations, not exactly the same, come together and publish things for the world to benefit from. Well, you know what, man, that, I mean, you summed it up. That was an excellent job of summing it up. That's why I started it is wanting to bring those perspectives together. Um, we came out. So after I came out with my first book, Thrive After Sports in 2020, which is it's not my story. It's basically my coaching program in book format, but I'm using my story as teachable moments, but it's not an autobiography. It's like a, a self-help book basically for former athletes. Then I was like, okay, well, I want to start doing uh, collaborative projects because I know so many great people like yourself. Um, and that's what led to Athlete to Entrepreneur Volume 1. And that was a bunch of awesome people who I've known for a long time or some people I just met and coming together to tell stories of transition and how you know we went into our entrepreneurial journeys. And then that book was so well received. Um, you know, people were taking it and going into universities and all that type of stuff and teaching classes on entrepreneurship. And so I'm like, well, we should do another one with like an entire new set of 20 people. You and I had just so happened to connect around the time where I was looking for um, not only I, I like to have it be a mix of people that I know and then people who I'm either like just coming into contact with and you and I connected at the perfect time. And I'm like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. I know you have a powerful story. I know the insight that you'll be able to share on not only your transition, but business and entrepreneurship is going to help a lot of people. So I was like, yeah, I'd love for you to be a part of this thing, man. And there's been some bumps in the road, as you know, uh, but we're at the final stretch. And I can finally say, I think the book is going to be out um, within the next month or so. It should be ready for pre-order. That's Athlete to Entrepreneur Volume 2. 
which folks, if you've read Greg's first, you have two books or three books, Greg. Already, uh, this would be my second. So the first one was Growing Into You, and then this is the perfect way of kind of bringing the uh, you know the story to light with other folks who are in my community. So it'll be it'll be number two um, I don't coming know why out. I thought and you then, had Anyway, more, more in the works. Definitely, yeah. definitely more in the works. Yeah. You're a prolific dude. I'm like, I know he's at least published two or three, but either way. So this will be number two. Everyone who follows the show or supports Greg, definitely you'll want to read his chapter. I, I'm the type of guy where I don't read the chapters until the books come out. So I haven't read your chapter yet. I want to wait until the book is in my hand and I can sit down and read through it, but I already know it's going to be good. So everyone stay tuned for Athletes Entrepreneur Volume 2. Greg has a phenomenal Heck chapter yeah. in there. No, I'm looking forward to that. It's it's something I like to contribute. And I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen that format out there. So I'm looking forward to the impact it's going to have on people to see not just one perspective or not just one set of stories, but different stories from you know 10 to 13 people. I think it's going to be extremely impactful. Um, so just kind of round things out, you know, athlete, person that's transitioning out of the military, person that's transitioning into a new career. You know, what are a couple of things that you would kind of suggest or recommend to them just to keep in mind throughout the current transition they're going through, but also the transitions they're going to face going forward um, in their life? Because this is not the last transition um, that they're going to go through. They're going to we're all in continuous transition. Yeah, I would say the first step is always celebrating your past, meaning so many people either because you talk about the military or athletics, we finish our career and there may be some sort of bitterness because nine times out of 10, we weren't ready to leave, especially athletes. Military is a different situation. But when you finish your sport, you weren't ready. So there's bitterness towards other people or people not giving you a chance. or Maybe it ended because of an injury or you just weren't good enough to make it to the next level. And that's the reality. But I say that it's important to celebrate your past because if you're not careful, you can go into this place of just being bitter about your entire career, not celebrating how far you made it, like we were just talking about a moment ago. Um, so, you know, chances are if you played professionally or, you know, at a an elite university or even if it's not an elite university, like you are a part of a small group of people and that deserves to be celebrated. Doing that kind of allows you to have some peace and closure so that you can move into the space of, OK, that's over. It was a great run, but my life isn't over and I can take everything that I learned through that experience and create something new emphasis on create it's not just like oh i can take that and go get a job i mean yeah you can but you can also look at it as i'm going to create the next chapter of my life and be intentional about how i do that and strive to be great in whatever this next thing is so that's the advice i would give and then honestly tap into people like greg tap in like re there's so many great people now who are former athletes putting themselves out there talking about how they made it through and you can use those people and you know podcasts and books you can use that as uh fuel and motivation and um you can use it for like tactical information too to help you get where you want to go so and athletes love helping other athletes former military veterans love pulling up other veterans so there are plenty of people that are willing to help you so don't feel like you have to do any of this by yourself yeah we're, we're, we're all better together i think that's a, a critical piece but we have to do that internal work and recognize our past like you said, in order to realize who we want to connect with and who's going to be most impactful for us to connect with, but also for them to connect with us. And that's that mutual you know, meeting where magic happens and the sparks to creativity take place. 
And that's mm -hmm. the perfect segue into, into our final question. We like to ask guests, you know, Taj, what, what does connection you know, mean to you in your life, you know, personally and professionally? Man. So, <laughs> uh, it means so many different things as always, just like you, I'm thinking about multiple different layers. So I'll tell you where my head is at right now. When it comes to connection, I think like we've been talking about this entire connection uh, conversation, it's so important to be connected with yourself first and foremost. Um, then be connected with, once again, you don't have to be a religious person. I'm not a religious person. And at the same time, I have a very, very strong connection with God. I, I think that connection is huge. No matter, even if you don't call it God, having a connection with something that is bigger than all of us, hopefully, you know, I think even an atheist can acknowledge that there's something bigger than just us as human beings um, going on that connects us all and governs this world. So um, connect with yourself. That's what connectedness means to me, being connected to yourself, being connected with the creator or the source or God, and then being connected, truly connected with other people, not trying to use people as like, you know, pawns in some sort of game or trying to get something from people or just looking at what you can gain from people, but truly being connected and finding people and relationships where you two are, you can, it's mutually beneficial. And there's a, a flow there, a two-way street where both people are being served from the relationship. So that's connectedness to me. I love it. I love it, man. I want to, I want to acknowledge you for, for putting yourself out there first and foremost, for sharing your journey because it's impacted so many people and help them share their journey. And that's, that's that secondary third order effect we're able to have on people. Um, so I want to acknowledge you for that, that you continue to share it, continue to put out you know, great content. Um, how can folks connect with you? What's the best way to reach out, you know, if they want to have a conversation or continue to, to benefit from some of the great you know, pieces of, uh, of content and wisdom that you're bringing to the world? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I love the fact that you threw a QR code up there. This is a uh... It's next level. I love that, uh, <laughs> man. You know, so the best place to connect with me, tajdeshawn.com is the hub for everything that I'm up to and everything thrive after sports related. Um, you'll find I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm Taj Deshawn on both platforms. But like I said, if you just go to tajdeshawn.com, it'll take you wherever you want to go to the books, to social media, to my podcast, thrive after sports, which is available on all platforms. Um, I recently launched the Thrive After Sports Collaborative Community, which I'm beyond excited about. That's a new uh, passion project of mine where I'm bringing all of my former clients, current clients, and even people who have, you know, are athletes who are still enrolled in universities. And former athletes are in there, people like you, people who are athletes turn entrepreneurs, um, and everyone's under one roof where former athletes can pull up current athletes or athletes in transition. So a lot of great things, partnerships, connections, and uh, people being helped in there. So, and the link is on tajdeshawn.com as well. Just, you can click to join the community for free. Excellent, Taj. Really appreciate your time. Everybody go connect with Taj. Um, this is not gonna be our last transition. I know it's not gonna be for me. And, uh, you know, we need more people like Taj that are out there you know, sharing their stories, sharing some of the pains they went through. That's gonna leave us all better off. Um, so until next time, Taj, looking forward to staying connected and uh, continuing to impact people. Thanks so much for joining us. Likewise, man. Thank you for the work you do. And thank you for having me. This has been a good one.